and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. This is a special episode and we're going to try to get to know Rodrigo Vilca, that's Newcastle's latest under 23 signing, a little bit better. And I've got the help of CBS sports host Louise Miguel Exare. Did I pronounce? I hope that's right. You told oh, me you were so close, man. You were so close. Echegaray. Oh, Andy, Andy, you were so close. <laughs> to be fair to your listeners, right, and your viewers, when we were doing it before taping, he was saying it like a natural Peruvian. It's and the then nerves, the the nerves got to us. <laughs> now, if people haven't come across you on social media, you've been very excited at the past few weeks because one of your fellow countrymen have, has joined Newcastle. Um, that, of course, is Rodrigo Vilca. Can you just tell me, first of all, just sum up in a sentence what you know about him and why Newcastle United fans should be excited at his arrival? Yeah, so, you know, Rodrigo Vilca is a 21-year-old uh, attacking midfielder, very versatile, and there's a few reasons, but I'll try and keep it super uh, simple for, for Newcastle fans. And this is coming from a neutral, not just a proving, but I'm a lifelong Aston Villa fan, but I, I have a soft spot for Newcastle United because of, um, obviously, Alberto Solano back in the day, and I grew up in England. So watching him in the Premier League and then eventually coming to Villa after that was just so great. So, you know, just the idea of seeing Vilca in the Premier League is amazing. And the reason why I think fans should be excited, Andy, is because Vilka is entering a stage in his career right now where he's ready for the next move. And he is uh, one of these players that uh, is in the eye of Ricardo Gareca, the national team manager. He actually entered camp in September uh, as part of the domestic squad that wanted to play uh, under Gareca uh, as he looked to domestic-based players. Obviously, he was at the time with Municipal. And he is a super, super ingenious midfielder in the eyes of... Christian Cueva, who's also our other midfielder as well, he can play in the middle, he can go left, he's got a knife for goal, and he's got great vision. If you are patient with Vilka, if you treat him well and maybe put him on loan uh, somewhere else to just, you know, get a little bit of experience, I think, you know, just for the fact that you paid that much money, which is really nothing, right, uh, he, he'll come good for you. And I suppose the money you mentioned there, it's rumored to be about 250000 and he is... 21 so it's not like Newcastle have gone and picked an 18 19 year old or you know even younger which is what tends to happen um when you're you know building up your youth team they've gone out and they've spent someone who without putting too much pressure on him the time isn't really on his side in a way because you're 21 you've got the transfer fee so you would think Newcastle um have really seen something in him to spend that much money on a player of that age yeah, I absolutely agree. And listen, even though time is not on his side, I think the way that Newcastle, at least from how we're seeing it, really is excellent, excellent. Because already, you know, the club itself has said, listen, he's firstly coming to the under-23s. He's not, you know, we're not going to put him right there, you know, put him in the lines then. Pretty much how Miguel Almiron was kind of thrown in the lines then, right? It's the same thing here. He's coming to the under-23s. They want to evaluate him. And then maybe we'll see what happens in January. Maybe he goes out on loan, depending on how much the first team, senior team needs him. So there is already a message to fans to himself and to everybody in his team to say he's not coming in here as our savior. This is a project that we're working on. And even though, as you mentioned, he's not 18, 19, et cetera, he's still 21 and he's still young. And I think that there's such a thing 
as evaluating yourself and reaching a peak, which I still believe that's around 28 years old. So he has a good time for him to be assessed. And don't forget, by the way, that Vilca is no stranger to Europe. And he actually lived in Spain for almost a decade uh, when his parents moved there. Uh, so he came back to Peru when he was 11. So he knows the European culture, you know, albeit it was Spain, but he knows and he understands what it's like to live away from Peru. Sometimes that's a tricky thing, right? South Americans leave their culture, leave their country. It happened to me, you know, arriving to England and, and you just, you, you feel so lost almost sometimes, right? Vilka is not your typical 21-year-old South American that's coming in sort of like a deer in the headlights. He already understands what it's like to live away from Peru. Reading some of the quotes on the Newcastle United website, he spoke to the club reporters when he signed. And one of the quotes that stood out for me was, he said, I'm conscious that there's a big gap between proving football and English football. So in the first phase, I want to consolidate and take advantage of the training ground, professionalism of Newcastle staff, and to try and close the gap as soon as possible. And it just seems to me that's a really adult way of looking at things. Like, as I, I'm, I'm quite dick myself slightly because I've just said he's 21 and time isn't on, him, on his side. But at the same time, he is still a young lad in terms of life and experience. It's a big move to come all that way from Peru. And yet, he, he, he's certainly addressing it in those quotes there with his head screwed on. He knows there's a challenge ahead. I think the club put it out. Um, he was looking at the time bridge as he was having this interview and he knows there's plenty of bridges to cross before he makes it. And I thought that was actually a cheesy but nice way of putting it. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Listen, you know, we mentioned Alberto Solano and we've already obviously talked about other players, you know, for your club, uh, Faustina Spria, you know, comes to mind as well. You know, that was a different time, right? When it was almost an anomaly to have like somebody like a South American, especially one that wasn't Brazilian or Argentinian, come to the Premier League and sort of make an impact unless you are a superstar. But now, because of the extension of scouting, because of the extension of training, because just social media and the digital advantages that we have, we can have a better look at like what uh, players are doing in their respective countries. But that goes the other way too. These players also know what's happening in Europe and in England. For Peruvians, it's very important for people to understand that what he's talking about is very true. The gap of Peruvians uh, performing really well in Europe, even though it's not as substantial as Brazilians or Uruguayans or Argentinians, is growing. I mean, there is a large number of young Peruvians who are now in Europe who are making a mark. I mean, I'm talking about Miguel Araujo and Sergio Peña in the Netherlands, uh, you know, uh, the ridiculously underrated Renato Tapia, who is now a center defensive midfielder for Salta Vigo in La Liga, Luis Arvincula, who plays for Rayo Vallecano, Christian Cueva, who plays in Turkey. There's so many stories now of Peruvians now entering Europe. Now, Vilca comes to two advantages. One, he already sees that. He sees that path. He sees how these players are doing. And he's coming to Newcastle once again to, like he said, he wants to just learn and see what he can do and sort of narrow that gap. And the fact that he's not being thrown in the lines then and he's coming to the under-23s and possibly going on loan, like that's all great for him because now he has probably, he's probably given himself like a, a, a one year to one, a year and a half objective of making sure that maybe not in the first team, but like he comes back from wherever he is and he's saying to Steve Bruce and his team saying, listen, like I can do this for you. And he can, he, he is very, very good. It's just about how you mold him. 
he's got a big contract as well, and it's understood that his former team have a, a sell-on clause as well. So it's another suggestion that you know people do think there is a big future for this young man. Yeah, this guy, by the way, was wanted not just by Newcastle. He was wanted by Napoli, I believe, uh, some teams in Germany. Uh, I believe a few teams in La Liga were looking at him. Uh, so Newcastle was fighting off a few people. So, you know, I think that the contract speaks for them. Like you said, like the sell-on clause is basically saying, listen, like we know that there's a ceiling here that's pretty high and you can reach it. And if, if it happens that we're not able to keep him, at least there's some compensation that we can get of it. Um, and, you know, it, it's important to understand that. Again, we go back to that 21-year-old age, but to me, actually, what's even more important is not so much him being 21 as opposed to the position that he plays, right, and what he can offer in sort of a two- to three-year objective. If you're looking at somebody, for example, uh, like Vilka, that when he's like 24 or 25, then we can make a better assessment. Right now, it's just a step-by-step process. I just... The biggest thing that I love about all of this is that Newcastle, straight from the bat, was like, we're happy to welcome him to come to the under-23s so we can mold him. So the realistic expectations of, of both him as a player, the fan, the manager, the coaches, is all set. It's all set, and that's nothing but good. It's a good point you made there, because I suppose some in his position, they might lose that modesty, might think, right, well, you know, I'm going to England, I'm going to be in that first team and that's, that's the aim straight away. But the way you describe it and the way Newcastle have obviously said, this is the pathway to the first team, you're not yet on that path. And he's happy and he's accepted that, like in the quotes there, you know, he knows he's got a lot of work to do. That speaks volumes in many ways and it suggests that actually, you know, he understands there's a long way to go before he can play in the first team, but he's willing to work hard and he knows that this is just the first step to to a long path to the first team. Absolutely. I mean, let's remember something. I mean, I'm talking so much about him. I love him. I think he's amazing. A 21-year-old Peruvian is just so great to see. Well done, Newcastle. I'm so happy. Like I said, I have such a soft spot for this club and I'm happy that he's there. But he is coming from the Peruvian first division. This is not like even a top division in South America, let alone the entire world. He's coming from Deportivo Municipal, who's a club that nurtures really good young talent. David Dioses is another one that's actually part of the first team with uh, the national team right now. Uh, but they're not, you know, they're not like Copa Libertadores champions or anything. We're not talking about a major, huge team, right? So he knows like that there is a huge gap that he has to close. So he's super realistic, but don't doubt his abilities. I've been reading a lot of uh, Newcastle fans thinking that this is probably like a, an Ayosi Perez kind of a, you know, similarity or whatever, but he's not like him. He's, he's got, he's got way more, he's way more comfortable having the ball and he's way more central minded and he's way more uh, architect like than, uh, than a winger. He likes to bring people in. So to me, that already says like, he cares more about what he does when he doesn't have the ball as opposed to when he has it. And that's going to be a huge advantage to him when he plays uh, in England or in Europe. You mentioned there the potential of going out on loan. Do you think he's at that stage already? Because when you watch in the 23s, you see certain players who already look a level above the under 23s and then they, they need to go out on loan to develop that for further to get to the first team. And, you know, the under 23 football system just looks beneath them in some ways. I mean, Sean Longstaff, before he broke into the side, looked like that. Uh, Carl Roberts was another one. He's now at Notts County. Do you think 
you're talking about a few months to get them settled and then obviously you know, the January transfer win will be upon us at that point and then it, it would be the right time for him to go to a championship at League One side? Absolutely. And listen, like, I mean, I don't want to jump the gun here, but there's the window for domestic transfers is until October 16th. So well, maybe, I was going like, to mention that. I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to put too much pressure on him. <laughs> I know I'm doing it. I'm, I'm pressuring him now and I'm in trouble. Right. But I think January is a more realistic uh, expectation that I, I, I see two places where he should go. One is the championship because it's just a good place for him to just know uh, the culture of the country, right? You stay close and also, you know, relatively speaking, the pace. Obviously, the championship is not to the levels of the Premier League, but it does give you competition. It's physical. I mean, I know too well. I'm sure you do too. Uh, as Villa Newcastle fans, we know what it takes to get out of that league and then come back up, right? So that's a good place. But the other one, I think, is going to the Netherlands. I wonder if like a Dutch team needs somebody like Wilka that can help them from a technical standpoint uh, and also welcomes uh, Peruvians anyway. Renato Tapia came from there as well. Uh, so that's a place that I could go. But my, my initial thought would be hopefully a championship team that is in need of a creative midfielder can, can bring him in. And whether that's January or earlier, who knows? But I think that that, to me, would be my priority for him. Eliza Sorensen, the Newcastle United on a 23 striker who did so well last season, he's gone out and joined a club in the second division of the Dutch league. And a few players have actually left in the 23s recently to go out on loan. So it does seem like Newcastle are more open to sending, and it's some of their best players as well. Tom Allen's another one who's gone out. So maybe they're a bit more open than, than they have been in past years to send players out on loan. I just want to talk about Norberto Solano, obviously, you know, first proving in the Premier League, Newcastle United legend, also a big player for you guys down at Villa. What's it? <laughs> What obviously his standing in Peru, you know, you get, I imagine, is it a bit like Ronaldo in Portugal or David Beckham was in England where he's held up there as one of these players of your country? And do you think Vilkas maybe looked at him and thought, you know, I want to be a bit like Solano and he knows about his history and his, his career in the Premier League? 100%. 100%. Like, you know, uh, you know, I would mention Paulo Herrera would be the number one first, uh, even though he plays in South America now. He's injured right now until the end of the year, but he obviously had a career in Germany. Heferson Parfan is another one who's still an active player, who obviously played at Schalke, just left uh, Lokomotiv Moscow. But Norberto Solano is that level. He is that big. Um, just because, obviously, as you mentioned, he came at a time when the Premier League was just having such a popular era, right? The, the 90s and and the early 2000s were just such a good time for the Premier League. Not to say that they're not now, but, you know, just a good influx of South Americans are coming in. And Alberto Solano, as you mentioned, delivered. And he was part of that amazing team. I mean, I know Warren Barton well and stuff, and just the stories that he tells me about just, you know, how welcome they were. He, he had like, you know, he would obviously have a jazz club in Newcastle. When he came to, to Villa, he would, put, he would play music with Dion Dublin as well. It was just like, you know, this fun time uh, to be a South American or a Peruvian in, in South America. And, and to your second point about, you know, how highly regarded maybe that influenced Vilca, like absolutely, like every Peruvian, this is what I want because I, I grew up in England. So I know this. I grew up in England. I lived in the U.S. now, but I know what it's like to think like a non-Peruvian. And people sometimes underestimate or 
forget just how incredible it is to see your countryman play in one of the best, in my opinion, the best league in the world, or at least be part of a team of the best league in the world. It just, there's so much pride. So when you look at Norberto Solano and the things that he did for Newcastle and Villa, but mainly Newcastle, it's just amazing. I mean, to this day, Andy, like when I play pickup or whatever, five aside, you know, or even 11 on 11, and we have a free kick, an indirect free kick, I try and do what Solano used to do with Alan Shearer, which is like, you know, the fake sort of sort of roll, and then like he looks at the defenders and then he does it and then Shearer smashes it. Like those little tiny things like are just so influential to Peruvians and not just Peruvians, like Paraguayans are so proud of Miguel Miron there. Um, so it's very important to remember that there's a, a true history and true respect. England sometimes forgets that because there's so many, right? It's not just David Beckham, the, you know, Michael Owen, McManaman when he went to Real Madrid. There's just so many you know, players that have represented the country. For Peruvians, it's a little bit tougher, but now you can see the overwhelming amount. So it's great to see. What's he like, Vilka, as a character? Because obviously moving to Newcastle, it is a bit of an extreme move for most people, let alone a 21-year-old coming from the other side of the world. You know, even if you're in the under-23s, if you go down Shopman, down Northumberland Street, which is the main high street, you'll probably get spotted not in COVID times maybe for a photograph, but in normal times you would have certainly been approached for a selfie, most certainly. Um, how will he handle it? Because even, you know, I think he's mentioned in the quotes there that he's had loads of messages. And if he's got social media, he will be getting loads of messages. Um, and thankfully, they'll probably all be positive. But it is, there's a lot of responsibility. And how, how do you think he'll handle the fanfare that comes with moving to Newcastle United? Yeah, Andy, if, if, if Greg's is still open, I think he's going to be all right. Like, he, he's going to, you know, uh, uh, I don't, listen, like, I, I think that he's, he's, I don't know him personally, but from everything that I've seen from his family, when his father said goodbye to him after he, you know, stayed here in Newcastle, he said, just, just make us proud, make our country proud. And, you know, that's the kind of mind, you know, you mentioned uh, the quotes that he talked about when he first joined Newcastle saying, you know, I, I know the challenge ahead, but I'm ready to do it, et cetera. I mean, he's 21. Remind you, remember when we were 21? Like, you know, it, it, it's a lot. And I can relate to it a little bit because I was an 11-year-old Peruvian moving to England. And it's, it's a big culture shock. There's a lot that hits you. And now in the age of social media, it almost becomes easier because you have more contact with your family in Peru. But also he has to deal with the fan base and stuff. I don't, he's not on Twitter as much. Instagram is the one that he's on a little bit more. Uh, but he's got the support. I don't know about your Peruvian community in Newcastle. I do think it's growing a little bit. Uh, but I think that he's just a person. And like I told you, because he lived a really large part of his life in Europe, he's already sort of subconsciously set for that. And I think that he just has to be mindful of, of how the media not really in England, but in Peru, like, you know, is watching him or whatever. And he just has to be patient, but, you know, and just COVID being another challenge, right? The fact that he can't exactly go out all the time or whatever, but that might be a positive. The fact that he's just focusing in training, goes home, etc. So to me, the biggest thing is just adapt, as you mentioned, to the Newcastle coach. If he can do that, I think he'll probably get a few messages from Miguel Almiron and other South American representatives, to be honest with you, I think they're going to help him because Peruvians aside, South Americans, 
probably rely on each other a lot. So he'll probably have like a mentor and Miguel Almiron, you know, at least from a sort of direct messaging perspective, just to check up on him. But I think he's going to be fine. He just, he knows that his mind is, is clearly set on certain objectives. And I think it's going to work out for him. People just need to be patient. And that includes him. Federico Fernandez is kind of mentored Miguel and you on this spend Christmases together. So there is, like you say, that kind of close-knit um, group within Newcastle. So I'm sure there'll be a, a few phone calls and texts there as well. And um, We've mentioned these positions on the pitch, but what's, what's, what are his main attributes? What would you say stands out for you? I think that the biggest thing, as I mentioned, is like he wants to welcome other teammates in. He's, he's a little, he's less self, it, it's funny, it's ironic because he's got a knife for golf. Like he, he likes to, to do the eccentric sometimes, but his, his biggest asset is he wants to find the right route for somebody to penetrate and enter the box and whatever. And I think that's the thing. He's very selfless. And listen, like we obviously don't see him every day in training, but from everything that I've read and everything that I've spoken to when it comes to working and what he does when it's not the 90 minute game, when it's not Saturday, like he works his butt off. Like he works so hard and he's always, you know, so passionate about making sure that people don't just title him as one specific player. He's not, he's not a winger and he's not a center midfielder. He sees himself as kind of both, but like maybe sitting behind the number nine and just like providing, he model, he's, he said it himself that he models himself a lot to Christian Cueva, who's somebody that like, he loves to, if you watch Christian Cueva videos on YouTube, like he loves to have the ball at his feet, but he's a little less selfish than that. And for a 21 year old to just really mainly focus on the fact that it's not so much about me, it's about bringing the other people in, is, is pretty good. So that, those are very big attributes, I think, that you can look in somebody as young as him. And it's going to help him. Um, I, I just, you know, he just has to get used to the pace of, of England and Europe and stuff. But Take no notice. This is this is a player. I'm sure that's music to the ears of Newcastle United fans and the Newcastle United board who sanctioned this deal. It just sounds like there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah, there is. There is. I just, again, just I emphasize just patience is the key here. Just patience. If you don't see him wearing the Newcastle shirt all year, it's because he's meant to be with the under-23s. If he goes out on loan in January, it's not because they don't want him. It's because they want him to get better. Uh, so it's just about being patient. And I think that's going to be very, very important. Do you think if it gets to January and he's been playing you know, well in the under-23s, is he the kind of person you think that would be knocking on the door and saying, look, I, I need to, to go out on loan. If I'm not going to get into the first team this season, I need to go out on loan and, and, and have a better standard of football because there's a, there are certain characters there that have done that. You know, Matty Longstaff, Sean Longstaff, both really wanted to go out on loan. Paul Dummett, all the years back ago, wanted to go out on loan. He went out on to Gateshead and he always talks about how certain players looked down on him and said, why are you going to Gateshead? It's, it's non-league. And he said, I just want to play first in football. Came back, he developed, you know, he's a, a big part of Newcastle now. So it is... Uh, Vilka, the kind of man who will knock on the door and say, look, I, I do need to head out. I want to get a better quality of first-team football than what the under-23s maybe has to offer. I think if that happens, it's because he's made a super conscious and detailed decision of what lies ahead. But I really don't see that happening just because I think the differences to Longstaff, like you mentioned, is that 
the other hurdle for Vilka is not just first team football, it's understanding the culture and sort of making sure that he's comfortable where he is off the pitch as well as on it. You know, so I think he's going to be patient. I think that he'll probably think of himself. I, I mentioned the year and a half objective. I'm thinking maybe he'll see this season as like, I sort of, right, this is what I think we need to do. And obviously his coaches will tell him that. If he doesn't go on loan in January and he just stays with the under-23s, to me, that says that Newcastle just wants to spend a little bit more time with him to know where he's best suited, as opposed to saying, you know, uh, you know, we don't want to do anything with you. Also, to your point about the sell-on clause, I think they have to be very careful about who they loan him out to and, and what the... And what the contract stipulates, because what if he goes out on loan and part of the contract is like there's an option to buy later or whatever? Like Newcastle probably gonna have to be very worried because he's still very raw in terms of like getting used to the culture. But I think he'll take his time. I think he'll wait a whole season before he makes a full adjustment. But I see January as a key time for him to definitely either go out to the championship or somewhere like you mentioned, like you know, second uh, division in, in, in the Netherlands. So just a quick note, we're now over on YouTube at the Everything is Black and White podcast. And if you're liking what you're hearing, why not come and see what we're producing? We'd really like you to hit subscribe. We're also over on Instagram at Chronicle NUFC and in the usual place on Twitter and Facebook. We'd really like the likes, the reviews and the subscriptions because without your continued support, we can't get very far. So thank you very much for listening.